is when we get to a place where we're sick, you know, we, we, Lord, would you please heal me? Yeah, I will. But after you're a little bit sicker. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I, never, I never put it together until he said it today. The Lord did way more than just heal Jairus' daughter. I've taught out of Matthew chapter number nine, talks just a little bit about that. He raised her from the dead. Uh, that's, that's a lot bigger deal. And um, so I, I appreciate that. So a couple of thoughts here for you. I use my Palm Pilot. The batteries are running low. You can't see the screen real bright right now, right? But I sit there during the sentence I wrote a couple of things on my uh, Palm Pilot. And I want you to think about something. You know, you mentioned your wrist hurting, uh, things like that. Physical ailments. We go through physical ailments. All of us, we get sick. We're all prone to that, right? Every single one of us. Even the, the tough, stout guys like Mr. Fred back there, still plugging away. My, uh, I got a huge respect for people uh, like that. They're not looking forward to retirement and sitting back in a recliner. You know, um, God created us to work. He did. And, and I like to work. I really do. And, uh, but you realize something. We are a soul. You are a soul, and you have a body. Amen. I want you to think about that for a second. A lot of times we think that here's me, here's who I am, here's what I am. And, oh, yeah, I got this thing inside of me called a soul. But no, no, no it's, it's actually you, you are a soul, an eternal, an eternal soul. God breathed him in the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You, you know, from Adam forward, every single person is a soul. Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah, uh, when he, before he was, uh, formed his mother's womb, God ordained him to be a prophet. You are a soul, and you have a body. We, we spend a lot of time taking care of our body, whether it's trimming our mustache, our beard, our hair, putting makeup on, dressing nice clothes. We spend a lot of time on our body, but you're a soul, and you have a body. That part of you, and it has nothing to do with National Ice Cream Day. It's some, just something, me, me and him, that's another one of our things that we, we both appreciate, ice cream, amen? Um, and I, don't, I think I, tell, yeah, I did tell him this. When I, I think it's, while we were driving away from the airport, we were looking for ice cream. Right. I just met this guy. He gives me this big hug. I'm like, hey, man, don't. don't. You, you scare me. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know. I mean, hey, he's an MMA fighter, man. I didn't know if he's getting ready to squeeze me in two, cut my carotid arteries in half. I didn't know what he's going to do. But I think he felt my gun, and he goes, okay, I'll let him go. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we immediately started looking for ice cream. Right. Our body thrives. I mean, hey, we appreciate that. We do. It's an appreciation. I told him, I said, Alaskans per capita eat more ice cream than anybody in the U.S. Right. He did not believe me at first. And then he thought I was just pulling his chain, but no, it's for real. Uh, so I can appreciate National Ice Cream Day. I'm glad I get to preach on National Ice Cream Day. Um, but by the time I get done preaching it this morning, it might be all, all melted. If it is, I'll buy you some new ice cream. I got some upstairs you can have. Um, I, I just want to help you. You know, the other thing, the, the, the next paragraph on my Palm Pilot here says, uh, everyone that Jesus helped did not get saved. Somebody said that from the pulpit. I'm sitting there and I was like, what? Huh? John chapter three, Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him by night. All of us could probably quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That was, that was in the darkness. Jesus was right there with Nicodemus, just the two of them. Unlike this morning, brother, we talk about Jairus' daughter being raised. His disciples weren't there that we can tell. it Right there is just, just Jesus having a one-on-one -on -one dialogue with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if you read just that about Nicodemus, you would conclude he didn't get saved. And there's other people that talk about the, the guy that he said, remember Jesus says, uh, go and send him more or less the worst thing happened to thee. That guy didn't accept Christ as a savior. 
Everybody that Jesus helped did not get saved. Later on, you read about Nicodemus. Let me say the other thing. Nicodemus, it does look like he absolutely did get converted later on. Because it was him that went and helped bury Jesus' body. Okay? But right there, I'm saying right there, when, when Jesus first dealt with him, it doesn't look to me like he got converted. Somewhere before, before that, between that point and when Jesus was crucified, I believe he was converted. I do believe that. I think we'll see Nicodemus in heaven. But there are other people that we won't see in heaven. Jesus doing miracles. And understand that the things that you go through, the, the trials in life that you go through, they may not be for you. They may be for other people to look at and gain encouragement from. Man, look at what God did for that person. I think he could do that for me, Maria. There's people that look at you, sister, and they understand that they, God has done some things with you, Maria. And people see that. And they know and they understand that God is a merciful God. God is a gracious God. And you're not doing anything, I'm not doing anything that he isn't aware of. That's all introduction for you, folks. Turn into, in your Bibles to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4 this morning. Now, I, have, I, got, I got like four other messages I wanted to preach this morning. I just like, you know, how do, how do you do that, preacher? When you've when you got four things that God has given you, you love these four messages, and, and here's, here's another one, you're like, man. And I'm going through looking for a certain uh, outline for a, a message this morning. And I came across another one in my Bible. I'm like, oh, man, that would be good. Lord, would you let me do that one? Hello, Lord, crickets, crickets. You know, how do you get, man, that's, that's stressful. It is. Oh, you take four messages, call it a point. Okay, hey, hmm. Now, we wouldn't get out of here till 3 o'clock this afternoon if I did that to you. Yeah, Amen. Uh, I do talk fast, as you already know, so just listen fast, okay? Um, it, I tell people this. If you, can't, if you can't outline what I'm preaching to you, that's fine. If you can just leave here with a thought, if you just leave here with a thought that will encourage you, I already gave you a couple. You're a soul with a body. You are a soul, and you have a body. You're not a body that has a soul. You are a soul with a body. You know, when I came across this, uh, I actually wasn't even considering this yesterday. It was today when I was considering this. And I read this chapter again. If, if you could probably go on Google, um, you know, Missionary to Alaska, John Pennix, something, sermon, outline, blah, blah, blah. And you'll probably hear, pull up sermons around the world of people's, around the world on churches' websites, and I've probably preached this message. It's probably the most popular message that I've preached uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you this morning. Uh, if not, ha- you know, I've got three more ready, so have me come back three more times, and I'll get through those three as well. I love coming here. I really do. Uh, and and I, I, I've never come here alone. Um, he's the first non-Pennix that I brought with me, but I've had a great time with Brother Monaghan. I really have. It's been a, it's been a, a, a great privilege um, uh, getting to fellowship with him. And I'm thankful for the people in this church that even though, um, you know, plan A didn't work out, we had a plan B and a plan C that me and him didn't even know about. We're finally going to go home with a, a pile of fish to put in my freezer, and I'm really thankful for each one of you that had a part in that. And I know some would have liked to have done more, but I appreciate you just praying for us. I appreciate you hosting us here. The place upstairs is just phenomenal. Um, but um, I, I want to say this, that the message he preached there Wednesday, when I was reading this this morning, I was like, wow. Think about this message I preached to you this morning. Think about a soul winner. What's the subject? The subject of a soul winner. A soul winner. If, if you're born again, it's like it was said in the Sunday school hour, you're supposed to procreate more Christians. You're supposed to make more Christians. 
Um, a Christian is, is a baby Jesus, a small Christ, okay? That's what a Christian is. A Christian, uh, uh, the believers are called Christians first at, uh, disciples are called Christians first at Antioch. Um, but that's a, that's a title we use for a small Christ or a baby Christian, would be uh, a baby Christ as a Christian. But Jesus' life, uh, another message I like to preach out, out of Matthew chapter number nine, but Lord, let me hear, but in chapter nine, it's where, in Matthew, is where we see that little, little piece, just that, that whole chapter of Matthew chapter nine, just a small piece of Jairus and his, and his daughter. But you look through that, Jesus' whole ministry was people. All he did, his whole entire ministry, was others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I might live like thee. Jesus' life's about others. And it's those things like the little Nicodemus and the lady we're going to talk about right here that really are special to me. Jesus seldom went to crowds. I've gone to villages in Bush, Alaska, where there were two people. And I'm so moved when I consider that they're fainted, they're scattered abroad, and they have no shepherd. You can come here three times a week and hear the gospel. You have all these people in here. Did anybody number the people this morning? How many people in attendance? Anybody do that? I won't get to preach to this many people in probably a year. The places that God's called me to minister in. It'll take me a whole year to find this many people. And I'm so moved with compassion on them. That, that, that passage of scripture there in the gospel of John, it says there, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Friend, when you see multitudes, when you see people, are you moved with compassion on them? Do you, do you think enough to carry gospel tracts in your shirt pocket to, to hand out to those people, to give them a little beam of hope? You know, I wasn't spying the track rack back here, but I didn't notice, even after the great challenge we all had, on Wednesday, I, that, that track rack looks pretty stocked to me. It's kind of like the idiot carrying an empty gas can in their car. If you're walking out the doors of that traction pocket, that tells me you're not planning to witness anyone. All the tomatoes done? If you leave here without tracks, you're planning to not witness to someone. Dear God in heaven, I pray that you take this message this morning out of the gospel of John chapter number four and challenge the people this morning and continue to challenge me. I pray that you bless each one here that came. Help those that could not come, convict the hearts of those that would not come. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard, uh, how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. If you look on the map there, uh, south to north, you've got, you've got a, a region called Judea, you've got a region called Samaria, and you've got a region called Galilee. There's lots of towns within those three regions. But those are the three geographical spots that we see. And Jerusalem is part of Judea in the southern part of the nation of Israel. And he says he departed again into Galilee. So he's going by Samaria a lot. And most of the Jews, they did that. You, you can read there and you can track there how, 
how the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. They would look down their nose on them, much like, hey, much like that, that the, the, the white man just looks down their nose at other people that's not as successful or not as blessed as they are. Hey, we see it. He mentioned this morning about the racism thing. And it does go both ways. It does. But look what Jesus said. He says, and he must, verse number four, he must needs go through Samaria. He's not bypassing at this time. He said he must needs go through Samaria. And we're going to see here that even his, his closest followers did not appreciate the fact that he needs to go through Samaria. They didn't want to be there. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. I'll borrow your chair here, sister. If I forget to put it back, don't shoot me. So Jesus sat on the well. It's about the sixth hour. That means about halfway through the day, the heat of the day. It says there about the sixth hour. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. That's parenthetical thought right there, stuck right here. We have Jesus. We have the woman of Samaria. And we have the disciples. Three kinds of people here, okay? Jesus is sitting on the well. And a woman comes out of the city. The disciples had already gone into the city. So what does that tell us about two of the people other than Jesus? The Samaritan woman came out of the city to go to the well. Jesus, he's sitting on the well. And while he's sitting on the well and the woman has come out of the city, his disciples go into the city to get lunch. Not breakfast because it's midday, right? So it's lunch. The disciples walk right by this lady. Yep. On the other side of the path, give her, let her go. Yep. And they're going right into the city of Samaria to get lunch. You got the setting there in your mind, right? I'm trying to, trying to illustrate this for you, make this scripture come alive and challenge each and every one of us to do what we're called to do. The Bible says that we're bought with a price, and oh, what a price that was. The life of the very Son of God. Mm. Verse number 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She just experienced that. The Jews went by her, had no dealings with her. <laughs> so it's not just what she was brought up on, taught in her racist home. It's what she just experienced eye to eye with 12 disciples walking right by her on the other side of the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans, so how are you asking me for water? Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God. What is the gift of God? A lunch, a fish, two fish and five loaves and two small fish. Is that the gift of God? No. Eternal life. That's what the gift of God is, is eternal life. And anything about a gift, it's always said, you know, I can give you a cup. I can offer this free gift to you, but you have to come and accept it. That's all salvation is. It's not jumping through hoops. It's not getting baptized. It's not doing good works. It's not tithing. It's accepting the gift that God gave us. If thou knewest of the gift of God and who it was that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would, give, would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. 
From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into what? Everlasting life. I cautioned him when we went to the villages. And those of you who know, to, know the native people, they're incurably religious. They are. They're very religious. You know, I, I've, I've witnessed the people in Bush, Alaska, and they will gladly take anything that you can offer them, whatever it might look like, whatever it might be, and they will gladly add that to their religious bag of tool tricks, uh, tool bag, hoping to have another trick to help get them to heaven. But repentance and faith in Jesus Christ is getting rid of all of that stuff and turning from that and turning to him, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. It has nothing to do with all that other stuff. No religious tricks, no amount of money, no works. That's salvation. Friend, if you can sit there and say, I trust that Jesus Christ is my Savior and I, you're, not, you're, you're, you're lost, you're not saved. I looked at Jesus Christ, I heard about him and I believed in him and you're lost, you're not saved. You're lost and not saved. You have to return. Uh, I'm sorry, you have to repent and turn from that to him. My friend, if you could do anything to help get saved, then Jesus isn't a savior to you. But he came for that sole purpose that he could live a sinless life and be crucified and take your punishment. See, Jesus was perfect because you couldn't be. I can't be. Jesus himself said that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. That's the only purpose of the Old Testament law, was to prove to you and to prove to me that we can't be perfect. And my friend, you're not going to get into heaven unless you're perfect. And the only way to be perfect is except Jesus Christ as your Savior for forgiveness of sins. He satisfied justice because he was killed on Calvary's cross for sins of the world, yours and mine. Not his. <laughs> he died in our place. And this woman at the well, she's getting a thorough presentation, we would call it, of the gospel. She's never understood this before. The only thing she's heard about Jewish people is they don't like her. That's all she knows about Jewish people. But Jesus lived a sinless life that she, nor you, or I could live. And thank God we don't have to. Thank God he sent his son to die in our place. Amen. The woman saith unto her, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus told, told her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but the water, uh, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I, watch this, that I thirst not, neither cometh here, neither come hither to draw. Jesus, in the previous chapter, was telling Nicodemus about being born again, being born of the water and of the Spirit. He talked about that Wednesday. You must be born again, folks. Everybody in here has already been born once. But if you've not been born again, you're on your way to hell. Hell's hot. Hell's real. Hell is forever. And you might be sitting here in this comfortable place and think, well, thank God I'm saved. Well, how about the people across the street and how about the people in Cloak? Are they saved? She doesn't want to have to come out here in the heat of the day and get water any longer. 
In verse number 16, Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. Did he really mean for her to go to the city? Does Jesus not already know? Go to the city and bring your husband out here. He's trying to switch the lady's gears. He's, he, he's, never, he's already, listen, when Jesus was sitting on the well, he must needs go through Samaria. Did he really sit on the well? Did he really go through Samaria to get water? No. No, that's not why he sat there. He sat there to give someone eternal life. That was his only, only purpose for that. You know, something, you look at the Apostle Paul, you look at Jesus Christ, they only and always left one place to go to another for the express purpose, sole purpose of giving the gospel to someone else. Check it out. The woman answered, verse 17, and said, I have no husband. She thought she was going to get away with something here. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husbands, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not the husband. In that saidst thou truly. Now I can kind of see this lady becoming a little bit nervous. How does this guy know this? Has he been stalking my Facebook page? Whoa. I've never met this Jewish man before. How does he know about my husband's of the past and my shacking up now? Look what it says in verse 19. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. <laughs> Boy, he's way more than that. Priest and king too. Let's not forget those two titles, amen? But let's be fair. I've been saved longer than she has, right? Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. We worship, uh, we worship what we, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is the hour, the twelfth hour, uh, 12 o'clock, the sixth hour of the day. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Jesus is going to a lowly Samaritan woman who's had five husbands. And that's who he's seeking to worship him? It wasn't the rich man. No. It's not the well-to-do people. Nope. Hey, in my defense of my ministry, it's not the big cities. Now, you could do the Ram ministry on Prince Wells Island with a Ford Escort and a raincoat. <laughs> you, you could. You absolutely could. How's that going to work out in remote Alaska, in Bush, Alaska? It ain't, man. <laughs> the Father seeks it sucks to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Look at this, verse 26. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And if you've got a paragraph mark in your Bible there, that means there's a transition happening here. You see that? Y'all have that in your Bible there next to verse 27, the little paragraph mark? There's something getting ready to happen. We're switching dialogue. Watch how the dialogue switches. Watch how the dialogue switches. So they've had this conversation here. The, the disciples go into the city to get lunch. The woman of Samaria brings her water pot out to the well. Jesus is sitting on the well. 
Honestly, she probably at a distance when she sees him, man, I hope that guy leaves so I can get my water. You know, it's, it's hot out here. I'd like to go back in the shade. But Jesus sits there on the well and takes the time to go through and make her think about some things. You need some water that satisfies your eternal thirst. You, you don't need this physical water. It's, it's very much unimportant to, uh, compared to what I'm getting ready to tell you. The ice cream out there is way less important than what I'm telling you about right now. In hell, the rich man there that, in, in Luke 16 would love to have a spoonful of ice cream. He sure would. He's still screaming to this day. He's wailing, gnashing of teeth still to this day, over 2,000 years ago. He preaches to her. He says... The hour has come and now is. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I that speak unto thee am he. I, I can just see it, man, her falling on her knees. Remember, I mean, just imagine, close your eyes with, with me and imagine when, when, when she says, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Do you think her overall countenance changes a little bit when, when he told her of her past and brought that up to her face, a total stranger that she's never seen before? Don't you think her countenance changed just a little bit? Now, how about this? When he's telling her that I am the, I, I, I am the source of your eternal uh, 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 living water, and you not have to come here anymore. She's thinking physical water. And then he says, I that speak unto thee am he. I mean, I could just see the humility there of that lady before him. It is the Messiah. She believes in her heart that, that that is exactly who he is. And we'll see here in just a moment how we can rest assured that she got converted at the well, at the feet of Jesus. It's confirmed. Just read the scripture. It says there. It says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? Those are the things that are in her heart, or in the, in the disciples' heart. They're, they're coming back from the city, choking down their bacon sandwich, their ham cheese sandwich. No giggles there. Jews aren't supposed to eat pork. Hello. Got a little bit of a rise out of the guy back there with the red beard. It wasn't a McDonald's Happy Meal probably, but I'm just saying, they come up here and they, they leave the city. They, they're, they're wiping crumbs off their face and they're like, oop. What's he talking to her for? And then when she gets up off of her knees, she passes right by those 12 again, who again, none of those 12 had the, had the uh, tracks in their pocket. They're not worried about her eternal soul. Their leader, Jesus Christ, was very obvious, very apparent. And upon this came his disciples and marveled. And it says in verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? This lady didn't go through discipleship 101. This lady that was converted at the feet of Jesus, never went to Bible college. She never got baptized. And immediately she had a burden for other people who need the same salvation, the same living water that she needed and didn't realize she needed that she got. And now she wants to share it and tell it with others. Are there people near you on Prince Wells Island that are thirsty? Huh? Are they? You have the answer. It's right here. 
You can lead them right through this passage of Scripture and say, hey, look, friend, look, neighbor, look, cousin, look, look, aunt, look, uncle. Right here is what happened to the Samaritan woman, the people, the, 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 the kind of a lady that everyone would look down on and disdain, being married five times and shacking up with number six. I haven't personally met anyone that's that bad. I mean, <laughs> I've seen some bad things. I've seen some pretty rough people, but everyone that's been married five times, you think you give it up after three, right? I mean, really. Something working out. But this lady, immediately, she left her water pot and went her way into the city, passing by the 12 disciples. The spiritual elite, Jesus' number one followers, who still don't have a burden for lost people. Just saying it like it is, friend. In the meanwhile, okay, so while she's over here preaching the gospel to the people that sold them their ham sandwich earlier, She's over here in the city. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is, this, is not this the Christ? In the meanwhile, his disciples were here. Jesus still sitting on the well. His disciples are talking to him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. I got some cold McDonald's fries for you. They're not as good as they were, but you have some. But Jesus, see, he's looking this way. He says, but he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. I, I have something more important than McDonald's cold leftover fries, folks. There's something a little, bit better, a little bit more important than my lunch right now, guys. And they're sitting here collaborating with one, with one with another there. Therefore, said his disciples one to another, Hey, Brother Todd, did, did you bring something to eat? Uh, I, I didn't see a Domino's pizza car come out this way. I mean, who, how, how is it the, what, he, he didn't eat any lunch? They're collaborating with one another. In verse number 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Remember you talking about the, the older guys that aren't interested in retirement? Work. That's what we're created for. Even, even in a perfect scenario, a perfect place, Adam was created to dress and keep the garden. And, and just a, you know, another sermon, out, uh, sermon note here. Pause that, and I'll be out there in a second. You know what's amazing to me when I look there in Genesis? Adam and Eve, they have a tree here. Sunday school lesson about obedience. Okay, we have a tree here of the knowledge of good and evil. And also there's a tree there that the garden was, I'm sorry, that the angel was called down uh, to guard the tree of life so that they couldn't get it. You remember that part there? The angel was set there to guard the tree of life so that they, Adam and Eve couldn't get this. That angel was not sent there until they partook of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says you can eat of everything in the garden but this one. They chose this one over that one. Isn't that crazy? I don't care about eternal life. I just want to feel good right now about myself and get another PhD behind my name. Man, that's crazy to me. They had a choice, preacher. They could have chosen life. They didn't choose life. But back over here, the wise Samaritan woman did. <laughs> Amen. She called out to Christ for salvation. He says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, said his disciples one another, hath any man brought him out to eat? Verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. What's your meat? What are you living for? You know that God's got meat. He's got, he's got a, a, a will for your life. He has a work for you to finish. Uh, are you done leading people to Christ yet? 
And the answer to that, I can tell you unequivocally, is no, because you're still here and breathing. You still have work to do. I still have work to do. There's tracks back there to still be passed out. There's lost people out there to bring in here. You understand the church? This, this, the, the church is the people. But the church building isn't a place. It wasn't designed for lost people to come and get saved. Bear with me now. Hang on. Don't, don't shoot me yet. That's not what this is for. This is for believers to come and get fed the word of God. The, the, the lost people should be saved out there and brought here to be discipled. That, that's just true. I got saved in church. Probably most people in here did get saved in church. But that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is for you and me to come and get grounded in this so that we can go out there and tell them about Jesus, the Savior of the world. Yeah, out there is where salvation is supposed to happen. That, that's, that's the text. That's what's supposed to happen. Did the woman at the well get saved in church? No. She got saved at her job. Yeah, it wasn't in the church. Nicodemus didn't come to Jesus after the church doors were shut in the evening. No, he came to where he was. And you and I have to go where they are. I thank God for people that come to church who are lost and hear the gospel and repent and get saved. Hallelujah for Friday night. Right? But the purpose isn't for this guy and this guy and this guy who are in full-time ministry to win the world to Christ. That's your job. It is. Just as much as it's mine, it's your responsibility as well. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Hey, guys, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap. Ooh. <laughs> I sent you to reap. That whereon you bestowed no labor. Remember the 12 disciples head into the city and snub their nose and look in disdain at the harlot that comes out to get water. Could they not have led her to Jesus Christ or, or given her the gospel on her way to the well? 12 people said, nope, not important. Nope, don't like that one. Nope, bad testimony. Nope, not enough like me. Twelve people did that. I sent you to reap when you bestowed no labor. <laughs> Other men labored. Other men had witnessed that lady. She knew about Messiah. And when he's coming, he'll tell us all things. She knew. Other people had already labored with that woman. And so I'm saying this, take great, take great comfort in the fact that if you witness to somebody and they slam the door in your face, you're not going to get, a, you're, you're not going to get a, 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 an Air Force cross, you know, pinned on your chest. Because someone cussed you out uh, uh, at the door. That's happened. Oh, I got battle scars. I must quit. No, he said, I sent you to, to reap when you said no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. It's a partnership. Amen. When you witness to people out there and they refuse your testimony or, or your presentation of the gospel, don't get discouraged. Get him to come on in here and hear it again from someone else. I didn't get saved the first time I heard the gospel. I doubt you did. I sent you to reap. And then 
another paragraph mark. Remember, she's over in the city witnessing. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Your testimony is plenty enough to win many to Christ. How many is many? I don't know, more than two or three. Many believed on him for the saying of the woman that gave her testimony. And remember, this lady isn't even a, she's not even an hour old in Christ. I, I, I tried to do some homework even as late as this morning. I'm like, how far was it from the well to the city? And, and I, I learned by using the internet that there's people out there just ignorant about the, the fact as, as I am. <laughs> they don't have any more sense about it than me. But I can deduce this, that Jesus sits on the well, hack a watch, 12 people go in the city, get lunch, and they come back, and it's still lunch hour, hack a watch, less than an hour journey. Probably, right? It's not a two-day journey. I don't know if it's 100 yards, but I know it ain't 100 miles. <laughs> watch what happens in verse 40. So, okay, back up to 39 again. Many of uh, the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. That's the word that she gave them. They refused to believe her, but they did come to church and they heard the preacher say the exact same thing. You might sit and say, man, Brother Penix, my testimony is so bad. No one's ever going to listen to me. But when they see the change, like this brother has talked about, when they see the change in your life, they're going to be very inquisitive. Man, that guy's different now. Wow, look at the change in the appearance of these ladies. Hey, look at the conduct of these kids that used to run their mouth and be disrespectful. Listen how obedient and respectful they are to their parents. When they see a change in you, eventually they're going to want to hear a little bit more about that gospel that you preach to them. And you'll have an opportunity to bring them through those doors right there and have this brother preach the gospel with boldness and power and authority right here from God's word in the pulpit. Jesus' ministry, one person at a time. And if, if, hey, if you spend a lifetime and only see one person come to know Christ as Savior, that's one less person that's going to burn in hell's flame for an eternity. Hmm? Have you been faithful? Have you been obedient? Are you the Samaritan that's looking for relief from having to carry the water pot and just satisfy a little bit of thirst? Maybe you come here each Sunday and get just a little bit. Maybe you come here Wednesday and get just a little bit more. My friend, the, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. He wants you and me to have an abundant life. 
You know, it was mentioned this morning, the very words I've used oftentimes, many Christians, most Christians, the vast majority of Christians are on life support. Now, I'm thinking about the, the funny thing I heard one time, some guy talking about, um, told me, yeah, Harley-Davidson Motorcycle Company's uh, uh, found it's cheaper to have motorcycles built in, in India. And then there's this little soundtrack that sounds like a little bitty two-stroke motor, you know, guy revving up the motor and changing gears. It's absolutely hilarious. But is that how you are in your Christian life? Hmm? We have all we need to be successful as a Christian right here. How much time do you spend in it in the morning? I challenge my kids, small kids, small, small, small. Read the proverb of the day. Typical month has 30 days in it. And there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs and just read whatever's on the calendar there. If you fall off the wagon, you know, get back up. Look at, you know, today's the 17th. Go to Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 17, read it. There's lots of wisdom in there. There's lots of challenge to be a soul winner. There really is, if you look at it. Plenty you can gain from to be successful in your Christian life. The Christian life isn't coming here on Sunday and even Wednesday and warming a, 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 a chair in church. That's not a successful Christian, my friend. <laughs> A successful Christian is those that encourage others, challenge others to tell people about Jesus Christ. Remember this woman, she wasn't even saved an hour yet, and many people were converted to Jesus Christ because of her testimony and nothing else. No Bible college, no baptism, no discipleship training, none of that. Just her testimony. Maybe you don't have a testimony of salvation. Maybe you've never repented of all those other religious things that you grew up with, with as a kid. Maybe those things are weighing you down, and they will. You know, the devil would love for you to do a good thing in lieu of the right thing. In other words, the devil would be excited to see you just come to church on Sunday morning. Hey, as long as that guy goes to church, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to touch him. You know, he was seeking to destroy Job. The devil really wanted to destroy Job. Remember that? He really wanted to destroy him. But Satan don't want to destroy you unless you're doing God's will. Life will be easy. You want, a, you want an easy life? Just to, you know, Hey, just live for yourself. The devil will leave you alone. Now, the Lord will chastise you. <laughs> he will. My family, we, we call it the Jesus spanking. You know, when that, hey, when that thing doesn't work out, you know, you're, you're, you're going down the wrong path. Oh, yeah. But the comfort there is that you're a child and not a bastard, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a testimony of salvation? Have you ever come to that place where Jesus was and bowed your knee before him and accepted him as your savior? If you haven't, you're on your way to hell. And you could die in a car wreck. You could have your heart stop. You could. You know, when I got saved, it was, it was uh, hearing Brother Carl Wilson preach uh, boldly from the word of God uh, in a, in a uh, spring revival at a church I grew up in in North Carolina. And uh, I thought to myself, man, I don't have any promise of tomorrow. The Bible even teaches that, says that. You don't know what a day may bring forth. You don't know. You have no idea what a day may bring forth. And I thought to myself, you know, young people die in car crashes all the time. I, I, don't, I don't see any reason to put this off. I, um, I'm sitting uh, on this side of the congregation. Was, you know, had an aisle and two rows of pews down there. I'm sitting over on this side. And the more I thought about that, the more the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. That just taking gum out of my mom's purse made me a thief. Hmm? Uh, telling a lie made me a liar. Um, yeah. And I thought, man, I don't, I don't see reason to put it off. 
I, 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 prob- I, I think I'd like to know for sure I'm going to heaven tonight if that day comes, if today's my day. There's a appointment unto men once to die and after this is judgment. You have an appointment, I have an appointment, and you're not going to change it, and you're not going to cancel it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this congregation being attentive. I don't suppose I've ever preached this long. And God, I'm, I'm just thankful, Lord God, that you laid this on my heart, that these people were patient enough with me to stick around and listen. Lord, I pray, Father, that you give pastor wisdom. I pray, Father, that you bless him for his service here. And God, I pray that if there's anybody under the sound of my voice this morning that's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that now would be the accepted time, now would be the day of salvation for that soul. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'd help us, Lord God, to have a safe afternoon and see us back here faithfully where we're supposed to be this evening. We'll praise you for that in Jesus' name.